Welcome to Discover Church Podcast. We believe that God's Word is alive and that it breathes life into us. We pray that today's message will challenge you, encourage you, and equip you to be all that God has created you to be. Enjoy the message. Uh, I'm not going to rush this because this one is going to be a humdinger of a message. Are you ready? You ready? This is going to be a banger, okay? The Grinch and Me is what we've been into this series uh, for the last several weeks, and I've, it's been good. Follow it on the podcast, search Discover Church NWA. Uh, the sermons are awesome. I believe that they will bless you. Today, though, we're going to be building on what we talked about last meet, last week, which was uh, judgment, all right? That's what we talked about. We talked about Judge Judy last week. So today we're going to build on that, and we're going to pick up kind of where we left off. And the sermon I have for you today is called this, The Grinch in Them, okay? The sermon series is The Grinch in Me, but today we're going to talk about The Grinch in Them. So I want to ask you guys this. Have you ever been, you ever had memories where you were teased as a kid? I mean, if you've been in school, public school, you've just been around people at all, like they're just mean people sometimes in the world, isn't there? Sometimes you get teased and it doesn't really feel good. It makes you feel insecure, sometimes unconfident in who you are. And honestly, enough negativity in your life can really ruin a person's perception uh, of themselves. And if you look at the story of the Grinch, and we're going to get to Bible, okay, I promise. But when you look at the story of the Grinch, what is it? He hates Christmas, right? He is... uh, He's a mean one. Ah, you know it, right? He hates Christmas, but sometimes as people, sometimes we see people like that as the Grinch. Sometimes we see people as unworthy, right? Sometimes we see people as unchanging, that they're always going to be this way, that we see people as there's no hope. Look, I know I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. There's been times in my life I've looked at people and I have said, man, I'm just not really sure that there's a lot of hope for that person. That's me, all right? And that was the wrong in me. That was the Grinch in me. And the Holy Spirit's like, Chris, that's a terrible attitude. There is, if there is hope for Chris, there's hope for anybody, right? So sometimes we got to be really careful in the way we look at other people. That's something that we talked about last week. So here's the interesting thing, okay? If you remember the story of the Grinch, right, the who's from Whoville, like they're the nice people, right? They're the cheery people. They're the, they're the people that are like all hunky-dory all the time. But it was the who's from Whoville, it was the good people that actually caused the Grinch to be unhappy and mean. It's the Grinch in them, okay? So th- I'm going to tie this together, so hang with me. He was teased and he was bullied uh, as a child because he was different. So here's a little side sermon. Just because people don't act like you, just because people don't look like you, just because people don't talk like you or dress like you doesn't mean that they can't go to heaven with you. That's good. So for us, we need to understand that how you treat people matters. The way you act in front of people, the things that you say before people matters, which begs the question that I want to give to you guys this morning. How do you treat people that you interact with in your life, in your good days and in your bad days? See, the Grinch was one of them. If you remember the story, he was a who from Whoville, but it was his own people, the who's, that turned him into the Grinch. So what if I told you that the way that you treat and talk to people affect their lives, not only today, but tomorrow and beyond? That you can be a Grinch in other people's lives. 
Could it possibly be? Because we talked, I hinted to this last week, and this is where we're going to stay. I talked about how we have all encountered hurts in our life from time to time. People have hurt us. People have offended us. There are names and faces that pop into our mind when we remember certain things, and it's hard to get over these things. But I challenge you with this. Is it possible that you could be the Grinch in somebody else's life? Is it possible that you could be the cause of pain or hurt in somebody else's life? How you talk and interact and lead people is important. So here's our, here's our passage uh, that we're going to be in this morning, Romans chapter 14, uh, verse 13 through 16. It says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, right? You've been doing it. He says, stop. But rather decide, somebody shall decide. decide. That's a word of intentionality. That's not an accidental happenstance. You have to decide, just like you're going to decide to pay attention to this sermon. But rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Verse 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one from whom Christ died. Verse 16, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. So the first thing that I want to tell you this morning is this, your judgment builds walls right? Your judgment builds walls. That's what it says. Uh, it reference back to verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide to never be a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of your brother. So the rest of this passage, okay, I'll just kind of get the context here. One of the biggest issues that Paul, who was the author of our text, was facing during this time was the dealing with the transition from the Old Testament law into New Testament freedom in Christ Jesus. So one of the issues that he faced was the subject of food because many people in that day believed that certain foods were still to believe to be unclean, yet Paul believed that because of Christ, nothing is unclean, but rather it is a conviction of the individual that determines cleanliness. So we face similar issues today. You have different people trying to place their own personal convictions on other people. That's kind of what's happening in this in this moment. So I want you to listen to me really clearly. There is nothing wrong with your personal convictions. There is nothing wrong with the way the Holy Spirit deals with you on an individual level. But with, uh, we have to be very careful, though, with those personal convictions uh, that sometimes the Lord deals with us specifically with things that are not specifically dealt with in his word. That's what a personal conviction is. So what I've got to do is I've got to be very careful to not place my personal convictions that the Holy Spirit deals deals with me on, onto you. All right? Now, you can read God's word, and the Bible calls sin, sin, and there is some sin that is a blanket for everyone, and that we can understand that there is nothing that you can do that you can go around it. But the Bible says that to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, says to him, every shout to him. 
That's a, that's a phrase of personalization. He says, to him it is sin, not to everyone, to him. There are ways that the Holy Spirit will deal with you that to you it is a sin, that it is not a sin to me. So in those ways, I have to recognize God's words and say, God, I have to recognize that this is something that you're dealing with me on. God, this is something you're dealing with my heart about, that I don't have to hold you accountable to the personal convictions that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in my life. Somebody shout amen. amen. So it's personal. So the issue that Paul has and that we need to start understanding is that we don't need to crucify people for being different than us just because they act different, look different, be different, talk different. Their personal convictions are different. They don't have to be like you. They can be different from you because we're all unique. We're all different, but yet we can all still be Christ-like. We're all different. We're all unique, but we can all still be Christ-like. It's unfortunate. I've seen so many people leave church and give up on their faith with Christ because someone who is a Christ follower casted judgment and built walls in somebody else's life. Many Christians have, I've seen this happen, that find joy. I don't know how, I don't know why, in judging other people. Just watch the comment section of a biblical article on Facebook or something that comes up. Man, people love to talk don't they? You know it's true. Get some kind of controversial subject on there, man. We got those, I like to call them keyboard warriors. I know you're not one, but where we go wrong is we try, pay attention, we try to create the image of what we think a perfect Christian looks like, dresses like, talks like, acts like, and then we expect other people to match our standards of Christianity. That's what we do. That's how we go wrong. Listen, God did not call us to define Christianity. He didn't call us to tell people what it's supposed to look like. What he did call us to do is to love our neighbor as ourself. We take our preferences and then we treat them like scripture. But I want to tell you this, and I've said this many times, that we at Discovered Church are a purpose over preference church. We set aside our preferences that divide us and then we unite around one purpose that is Jesus Christ to help people find Jesus and discover life. Because as long as we have our preferences, look, you can have church this way. I want to have church this way. I want to sing this song. I want to sing that song. I like this color. I like this color. Listen, I don't care. Uh, what I do care about is somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ. What I do care about is your son that is far from God. What I do care about is your aunt who has never accepted Jesus Christ that can come into this place in a church that is unified around one purpose and said, I want to help somebody find Jesus and discover life. Because purposes unite us and we can unite around one common purpose. We as the church have developed way too many rules when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, you don't have to live for Jesus the way I think you should. You need to live for Jesus the way he told you you should. Don't add your preferences to the Bible and don't take away things from the Bible that fit your life. Just do it the way Jesus said to do it. It's a really simple approach. But we have defined uh, Christianity in ways that even Jesus didn't. 
We got a lot of our man-made rules that happen in church. But let me let me let me simplify Christianity for you if I can for just a second. Can I do that? You ready? Jesus did it this way, okay? Here, here's what he did. He gave us two ways and he gave us two roles, and here they are. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. So realistically, there is only one law, and it is the law of love. Love God, love people. Those are the two rules that God has given us. Love God, love people. All of the other things that we have defined church and Christianity to be are really nothing. Love God and love people. Because we have taken the simplicity of God's word and we've made it unnecessarily complicated. Let me give you a few modern day examples of what we have done You have to wear a dress or a suit to church. You can tell that one's really important to me. (laughs) You can't have tattoos. You can't cut your hair. You can't have long hair. You can't wear a hat to church. King James is the only real Bible. I've even heard people say that you can't listen to country music and go to heaven. Please show me that in the Bible. Please show me some of this stuff in God's word. Can I get help? We have put so many rules into this thing that have become, pay attention, stumbling blocks in the way of people coming to know Jesus Christ. I could go on and on and on with rules and regulations and things that we have done, that we have created, what what church is supposed to be, what Christ in my life is supposed to be. But to me, that doesn't sound like freedom in Christ. That sounds a lot like bondage. So here we are trying to lead new people to Christ, but we add all of these unnecessary requirements and prerequisitions to find freedom in Christ, and they're not necessary. So what we've done is we created stumbling blocks for other people. Instead of paving a way for them, we have blocked their path to Jesus. So I want to illustrate this, okay? We have our our cross up here. Everybody here understands what the cross represents, what Jesus did for us. So this cross represents freedom in Jesus Christ, okay? And here's what we do, all right? These chairs represent, um, these, are my, these are my stumbling blocks, okay? So what we do is I've got somebody that needs to know Jesus, and I'm trying desperately to teach them and to show them uh, what it means to, to love the Lord and to serve the Lord and, and to live in the freedom of Christ. So here I am as a person that don't know Christ, and we as a church have got to be really careful to not put obstacles in the way of the path to the cross. Right? So here's what we've done. Right? We, we get to this obstacle. This guy doesn't know Jesus, right? Right? He's got, a lot of, he's got a lot of issues in his life, and he comes to this first obstacle that says that you've got to have it all together before you can start attending church. Right? This is a stumbling block. This is a big one. Right? You've got, you got, you got to be a clean fish before Jesus can accept you, but I, from what I read from God's word, you catch the fish before you clean the fish. Right? So we, we have to be open to allowing people to have what you consider the worst amount of sin that the world has ever seen. You got to be willing to allow to open those doors and say, man, we're so glad you're here today. 
We're so glad that you came to church today. I'm not going to be a stumbling block. I'm going to be a stepping stone to get you to Jesus. So I'm going to remove this obstacle. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. And then I have this other stumbling block that says, man, you got to look a certain way. You got to, you got to talk Christianese, right? You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to say it right. You got to do it right. You got to look it right. Um, you got to do all of these things, right? But what we've done, and there's so many different examples, but what we've done is we've created stumbling blocks for people. We've made their path harder to get to Jesus because of what we have created. Here's what we should do. Let me illustrate it to you this way. So here's what we're doing. We're leading people to Jesus through this, this process, right? I'll look at it this way. Learning Jesus is a one-step process. Instead of starting them over there, why don't we just simply start at the cross? Why don't we just start right here, and here's what happens. Instead of trying to clean people up along the way, we just said, man, let me introduce you to my best friend, Jesus. And then when they get introduced to Jesus, all these things that, are, that we think need to be changed in life, what the Holy Spirit does, he says, man, I'm going to work on this in your life. And he starts removing obstacles from their life, right? So instead of keeping people from the cross, why don't we start from the cross and just let Jesus do what Jesus does, right? We need to flip the process. We need to do it the other way around. It ain't my job to lead people to Jesus. It's my job to tell people about Jesus, and Jesus cleans them up. Man, we've got to flip the process. Everybody shall flip it. (laughs) Pull it. Pop it. (laughs) We start at the cross. We start at the cross. And then the Holy Spirit convicts us. Don't deal with your habits before you deal with your heart. Don't deal with your convictions before you've dealt with your, look, I've got to get this right and I've got to start there to do it, right? God has done something for me, which is what the cross illustrates. He's done something for me. He bridged the gap. Do you understand this? Like man and all of their sin can't relate to God and all of his holiness. Jesus comes to earth, 100% God, 100% man, lives this life, understands what it looks like to be a human. He goes to this earth and he goes up to the Father. And I can just picture God like, what in the world is Chris Brewer doing why is he struggling? And then I picture, I picture like I'm over here, God's over here, and I picture Jesus in the middle. He like, God, listen. You see, well, what happened was, <laughs> right? Let me tell you, like, God, I understand that you're holy, and, but I, I was a man. I was a human. I understand the thoughts. I understand the temptations. I understand the struggles of the man. And he begins to relate to God in ways that God can't relate to me. He bridges the gap right? He connects dots that cannot be connected. The love of Christ removes hindrances that are in the way of a life of freedom, but the rules of religion blocks our way to Jesus. Judgment builds walls. You know what walls do? Walls keep the good guys in and keeps the bad guys out, right? It's like an inclusive club. Like, this is my club. I'm going to build a wall. We're going to protect it. And then I'm going to keep what's on the inside of my walls happy, and I'm going to keep all the bad guys out. That's what walls do. They separate people, which is the opposite of the gospel. We are called to be inclusive. 
We are called to include people, not to divide people. So I want to ask you this. Instead of, uh, I tell you this, instead of allowing your judgment to build walls, why don't you start allowing your grace to build bridges? Start allowing your grace to build bridges, which is my second point. You are called to build bridges. Your judgment builds walls, but you are called to build bridges. Walls divide people. Bridges connect people. We are called to connect people to Jesus. Bridges are a way of making a way where there is no way, right? You're going across, like there's no way I can get there if it wasn't for this bridge. You are called to be that way. You are called to be that bridge, right? God has called you to connect the lost to life. It's simply that, to connect the lost to life. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 through 19, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Here's some rules, okay? It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, whoever serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I'm going to hit this last one again. So then let us pursue, every shall pursue, what makes for peace, and then for mutual upbuilding. What is peace, right? Peace is simply freedom from disturbance. That's it in common language, right? Peace is simply freedom from disturbance. It seems like sometimes that we have been guilty in the church that we would rather stir something up rather than to simmer something down. Instead of putting the fire out, we would rather just throw more wood on the fire. Don't pursue conflict or disturbance. Our scripture says to pursue what makes for peace. Every time I think of the word pursue, and again, this is just the way my mind works, I think of Pepe Le Pew the skunk. <laughs> the way he pursues is unmatched. This guy is unwavering. He is persistent. He is consistent. This guy is not going to take no for an answer. And I think that we need to pursue peace that way. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who work. Somebody shall work. Who work for peace, not those who stir the pot. Peacemakers are bridge builders, not pot stirs. Peace, peacemakers are build bridges. Are, 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 we build bridges, but pot stirs burn bridges, right? You don't want to burn bridges in people's life. I want to build bridges that connect people to God. Our scripture says that we create peace with mutual upbuilding of faith. We can't have a unified church while living without peace in our life. We are called to build bridges, to connect the lost to life. We are called to connect the lost to the cross. And guess what? Then the cross connects them to the Father. I got this guy over here, and he doesn't know God. I've already been introduced to Jesus, so I come as a bridge between him and Jesus, and I help connect him to Jesus by the things that I say, by the things that I do, by the way that I build him up, by the way that I encourage him, I connect him to Jesus. I get him to the cross. And then the cross then connects the unconnectable, the lost person of the world versus the holy God. I connect him to Jesus and Jesus says, I'll take care of the rest. I'll connect him to the Father. 
We are a bridge to Jesus, and Jesus is a bridge to the Father. Bring them to a place where they can experience the fullness of who Jesus is. And for those of us this morning that have found Jesus, here's our responsibility. We, we are, uh, for the saved us, we are supposed to be accountable. We are supposed to be respectful to each other, leading one another over and through our addictions, temptations, issues, and, issues and convictions. We should be here to help each other get to where God has, has called and wanted us to be. I'm here to help you, and you're here to help me. Somebody shout amen. amen. Sadly, I have seen too many Christians and Christ followers fight over theological interpretations of Scripture more than they fight over lost souls. Man, I've seen it. Man, I've seen it. Look, I'm just going to tell you, we're not going to be one of those churches. I, I appreciate your interpretation of Scripture. I appreciate uh, I, the, how the Lord speaks to you, and I appreciate uh, you, what you gather from God's Word. And look, we don't always share the same opinions. I can respect your opinion. Can you respect my opinion? And in the middle of our differences of opinion, can we just unite around one purpose to help lost people find Jesus? Right? Because that's really what it's all about. Jesus didn't say, go teach people theology. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. We have this idea that we're supposed to be right, but we're not supposed to be right. We're supposed to be righteous in the eyes of the Lord. How you treat people will affect their faith. Don't be a disturbance in their way, but help them remove obstacles from their life. Don't be a stumbling block, but be a stepping stone that leads them to freedom in Jesus Christ. Listen to this. This is powerful. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It's, this is Jesus saying. He said, now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my church, and the power of hell will not conquer it. Jesus said that to Peter, and I believe that Jesus' desire is to still say that to us today. Jesus is saying, upon this rock, Edwin, upon this rock, Cassandra, upon this rock, Hannah, upon this rock, Discover Church, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I'm going to build my church on this rock, and that rock is you. Amen. Somebody shout me. It's not them, it's not another church, it's not another congregation. The rock that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on is you. Because we understand the church is not a building, it's not these four walls. You are the church. You are the one that God says are the light of the world. You are the one that God has called to go into the dark places of this world and to shine the light. He wants to call you to be his church, to be his rock, to be the foundation in somebody's life that connects. I look, I got, I look, this is the stepping stone. We're all the rock of Jesus Christ, and if I'm a stepping stone and you're a stepping stone, the lost person can step on me, can step on you, can step on the next person. The whole time we're leading them to Jesus. We've got to be a stepping stone leading people to the cross of Jesus Christ. He is still building his church today, and you are the rock that he wants to build his church on. Yeah. I want to be a building block for Jesus, amen? amen? I want to be a building block that builds bridges of peace in people's life. I pray that everything that I do, I pray that everything that I speak creates peace in other people's lives. Do you understand that you are not just an individual. You're not just a person with your own right to do what you want to do, with your own right to choose. Do you understand that you are a representative of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. That Jesus himself isn't here walking this earth. His Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, but you are called to represent Jesus by the way that you act, by the way that you treat people, by the things that you say. You are a direct representation of your faith in Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians verse 5 and 20. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors, meaning we represent him everywhere that we go. God is making his appeal through you, through me, through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We represent him. Look, when you go to a ball game, you represent Jesus. When you go to Walmart, you represent Jesus. When somebody has offended you and your feelings are hurt, you represent Jesus. Let me challenge you with this. If, if you are sent to represent your kind, how many of y'all work for somebody, right? Other, I mean, some of us are retired, but we work for somebody. We represent somebody. So if your company calls you and says, hey, I can't be here. I want you to represent our company at this event or at this workplace. What do you do and how do you act? When you represent someone greater than yourself, it changes. Like You're like, oh, okay, well, I got to be very aware because I'm not representing me. I'm representing the whole organization. I'm representing the whole company right here. And listen, I want to tell you that we as followers of Christ have such a much greater calling than just representing Walmart, than just representing uh, Tyson or whoever it is that you guys work for. We are called to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we're called to represent Jesus. Jesus Christ, and I want to make sure that when I go out that I represent him the right way. Yes. How you present yourself and treat yourself uh, as to others is a direct, uh, directly affects those people that are around you. I want to ask the musicians to come back and help me. Listen, why would, why would an atheist want to know a God whose people can't show love? Right? Why would people who are far from God want to find Jesus if the only Jesus that they know is the Jesus that they see in you and we misrepresent him? Do you understand the responsibility that sometimes, pay attention, the, sometimes the only Jesus that people will see is the Jesus in you? That's it. There will be people that are introduced to Jesus that will never come through these doors, but you introduce them. They see your life. They read the story of your life. How am I representing him? Is my life pointing people to Jesus? Or am I a stumbling block in somebody's way? Listen, don't be the Grinch in them. Don't be the reason somebody doesn't find Jesus. Be a stepping stone. Be the cause of someone coming to a relationship in Christ to find the freedom on Jesus Christ. Don't be the Grinch in them. Refuse to be that stumbling block, but be a building block. Be a bridge builder. Don't block the way, but instead help connect the lost to life. If you bow your head with me this morning. 
If you're here today and the first thing that you need to do is you say, Pastor, listen, I don't know Jesus. That's the first stepping stone right there. I don't know Jesus. Can I tell you that we're not here today to judge you? We're not here today to condemn you. We're not here today to make you feel bad. We're not here to make you feel guilty. What we are here today to do is to offer you life in Jesus Christ. Because maybe where you're at right now, every single person in this room that has already found Jesus has been right where you are at some point in their life. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. Would you just throw up your hand and put it right back down? I'm not gonna call you out or embarrass you in any way. You're just signifying that you would like us to pray for you. Amen. Would you stand with me please all across the building? I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I hope this message hit you between the eyes like it hit me because you know that I preach these messages to myself before I preach them to you. I hope it convicts you. I hope it stirs you. I hope it challenges you. Because what I know is you know people in your life right now that don't know Jesus. They're your friends. They're your coworkers. They're your family members. And let me ask you this, what would you do to reach them? What extent would you be willing to go to say, man, I want to make sure that my brother finds Jesus. I want to make sure that my husband finds Jesus. I want to make sure that my friend, my coworker at work finds Jesus. What would you be willing to do for those closest to you in your life? And if we could say, man, that I really, I understand. What if we could take that same mentality for the people that we love the most and translate it to everyone that we, we come in contact with in our life and say, I want to be that same, I want to exemplify that same amount of passion for you. What if we could do that? What if the world, what if the church cared that much about the world? What if we cared that much about seeing the lost come to Jesus? How much different would the church look? Earlier in the year, I instituted a chair challenge, and I will remind it, even though the year is coming to a close, this challenge isn't for one year. This is for eternity, that you see empty seats in this place. Look, and we can buy more seats. We can start another service, but I want you to name a chair. I want you to say, this is so-and-so's name. This is so-and-so's chair. This is my husband. This is my sister. This is my coworker. I want you to put a name on that chair and say, it's my mission field to get them to know Jesus. Because we are called to build bridges. We are called to introduce people to a life-saving hope in Jesus Christ. Not just to come to church, not just to come inside the walls, but to go outside of the walls and be his church. So as they begin to sing this morning, I'm going to start preaching at you. I'm just going to allow the Holy Spirit to do something in your heart. Would you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and convict you and to change you today? Maybe you could just go to God and say, God, I'm so sorry that I have lost my way. I'm so sorry, God, that I have lost my focus. Would you help me, God, to regain my focus, my purpose for being a follower of Jesus Christ? And help me, God, to be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. Go ahead, guys.